Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast to help you feel more like yourself within your motherhood. Each 30-minute episode features three actionable takeaways to help you become a more self-assured mom, someone who knows yourself, honors your needs, and loves your people. Listen in to feel encouraged as we learn together how to overcome overwhelm and find more magic in motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. I'm so glad you're here. Happy New Year, my friends. If you are listening on the day this episode comes out, it is January 1st. It is 2024. Welcome to the new year. I don't know how you're feeling about it. You may be feeling excited and motivated and like you have a clean slate to set all the goals, or you may be feeling really tired from 2023, a little cynical that you're actually going to change much in 2024. Whatever you're feeling is just fine. I tend to be one of the more excited about the new year types. I love the idea of a fresh start and new motivation to sort of tackle my goals, manage my life. And right now I am definitely feeling the pull to simplify things in my life. I am feeling the urge to get back to basics, back to the essence of my life, and of what I want, and the work that is most essential for me to be doing both inside and outside my home. When I think about my life from the last few years, I'm not proud to admit this, but it's true. An image, a metaphor that comes to my mind is a runaway train, and I've often even said that to my husband. I feel a bit like I'm on a runaway train, and I don't know how to get off. And some of that was outside of my control. If you've been following my work the last year, you may know we had some really unexpected things happen. My husband's office manager for his pediatric dental office passed away. We had no idea she was even sick. And so I had to jump in there and help manage his office this year. We had a child get a medical diagnosis this year. My work, as much as I love it, has grown and changed and I've had to pivot and learn new skills and things have just been busy for us as I'm sure they have been for all of you. And it's all good things, but there's also this part of me that feels this sense that if my life is ever going to slow down, it is me who has to slow it down. I'm actually not on a runaway train and I can choose to get off. I can choose to change some things. I can choose to do the hard work of looking honestly at my life, reflecting, and cutting out the things that aren't essential so that I can focus more on the things that are. And that's why I've been thinking so much over the last few months about a book called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Maybe you have heard of it. It was a New York Times bestseller. It came out in 2014, and I think I read it around that time. So it's been part of my mental bookshelf for a decade. I actually had never reread it, though I had gone back and referenced chapters of it over the last decade. But in the last month, I actually got it out and reread the whole thing and re-listened to it because I really wanted these lessons about becoming an essentialist to sink in so that I could start taking more ownership and control over my life and deciding what is actually essential and what is not. I'm so excited that next week I'm actually going to be interviewing the author of Essentialism, Greg McEwen, on the show. We're going to be talking about his second book, Effortless, and you are going to love that conversation. I know you're going to love his heart for busy moms and parents. 
But before I aired that conversation, I wanted to give you a little bit of context for his work by talking to you about some of the key takeaways from his first book, Essentialism. And I know reviewing these concepts has been really helpful for me as I head into 2024. I hope that you will feel the same way as you head into 2024 if you have also been wanting to simplify a little bit and get back to the essentials of your life. So first of all, what is essentialism? I think the subtitle of the book says it best, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. So when you are an essentialist, you have clearly defined, if only for yourself, what your area of highest contribution is, and you make deliberate decisions for your life based around what is essential. In the opening chapters of his book, he talks a little bit more about what an essentialist is, and he says this, the way of the essentialist isn't about setting New Year's resolutions to say no more or about pruning your inbox or about mastering some new strategy in time management. It is about pausing constantly to ask, am I investing in the right activities? There are far more activities and opportunities in the world than we have time and resources to invest in. And although many of them may be good or even very good, the fact is that most are trivial and few are vital. The way of the essentialist involves learning to tell the difference, learning to filter through all those options, and selecting only those that are truly essential. And in that introduction, Greg also talks about how a non-essentialist has a mindset of it's all important versus an essentialist has a mindset of only a few things really matter. So which camp do you naturally fall into? Do you naturally fall into the camp of a non-essentialist where it feels like it's all important? Or do you naturally fall into the camp of an essentialist where you know that only a few things really matter? I feel like most of us are probably somewhere in between. Or even if we have kind of more of an essentialist bent naturally, where we do know that only a few things really matter, it's very easy to get to forget that and to get swept into the camp of it's all important. I'm on a runaway train. I can't get off. This is just my life now, but it's not true. Even as busy moms, we can become essentialists and design lives that we really love that are making an impact in our area of highest contribution, which we're going to talk more about in this episode. So how can a busy mom become an essentialist? That is the topic of our conversation today, and I have three takeaways for you based on Greg McEwen's work and his book, Essentialism. So takeaway number one, accept the reality of trade-offs. What is a trade-off? I think most of us kind of know, but let me do my best to explain it. A trade-off is admitting to yourself that you can't do everything and that Sometimes you're going to have to make difficult decisions to not do something that you would like to do, that you think you should do, that the world thinks you should do, in order to invest and prioritize in something else that matters more to you. Accepting the reality of trade-offs is difficult, especially for certain personalities. A non-essentialist believes, I can do both, and an essentialist believes, I can do anything but not everything. And that's directly from Greg's work. Throughout his book, he has a lot of charts comparing the mindset of a non-essentialist versus the mindset of an essentialist. One of my favorite visual illustrations that he has in the book really makes the point about why we need to accept the reality of trade-offs. And I'm going to try to explain to you what this visual looks like, but I also want you to just Google the phrase 
diffusion of energy graphic essentialism, and it'll come up for you. But basically, in this illustration, he has two circles at the bottom of a page that say energy. And one has a long arrow coming out of the circle, going straight up in a focused direction to the top of the page. The other circle has about 12 little tiny arrows coming out that are all small and short, focusing in all different areas and directions. And he explains, he says, in the image on the left, the energy is divided into many different activities. The result is that we have the unfulfilling experience of making a millimeter of progress in a million different directions. In the image on the right, the energy is given to fewer activities. The result is that by investing in fewer things, we have the satisfying experience of making significant progress in the things that matter most. So it's the same amount of energy, but in one illustration, it's divided into 12 different little tiny arrows versus the other illustration, it is focused in one direction and you see how much farther you can get when you are more focused in the way that you are using your energy, your time, your efforts. So I think of this often when I don't want to accept the reality of trade-offs. Why can't I do it all? Why can't I do both? Well, you can, but you're going to make a millimeter of progress in a million different directions versus really getting clear on your area of highest contribution, the thing that matters most to you, and putting all of the energy towards that. You're going to make so much more progress by using your energy in a non-diffused way. Greg goes on to say in Essentialism, and I quote, The word priority came into the English language in the 1400s. It was singular. It meant the very first or prior thing. It stayed singular for the next 500 years. Only in the 1900s did we pluralize the term and start talking about priorities. Illogically, we reasoned that by changing the word, we could bend reality. Somehow, we would now be able to have multiple first things, end quote. When I first learned this, that priority was originally a singular word, It was never meant to be priorities, plural. It kind of blew my mind. Because how can we really have a singular focus for our life? One priority. And I would love to ask Greg that question. If I get to do a follow-up episode and have another conversation with him, I'm going to ask him. How can a mom literally just have one priority? And my guess is that he would say that your priority shifts based on the moment But in any given moment, you can only have one priority, and you should only have a handful of vital few, I was about to say priorities, (laughs) plural, you can only have a handful of vital few focuses in your life, and at any given time, you may have to decide, okay, right now, work is getting my focus, later tonight, kids will be getting my focus. So one could argue, okay, then you have multiple priorities there. But in the moment, you are singularly focused, and as an overarching theme of your life, you are not dividing your energy into 12 million different directions. You have a handful of vital few things that you are focused on, that you are giving your energy to, and you have accepted the trade-offs. You recognize you're not going to be able to do everything that you want to do in life well, And so you've accepted that and have decided what things deserve your focused attention. Greg says, essentialists see trade-offs as an inherent part of life, not as an inherently negative part of life. Instead of asking, what do I have to give up? They ask, what do I want to go big on? And I love that question. What do I want to go big on? 
What am I willing to let go of and make the trade-offs for so I can go really big on these things that matter most to me? And that leads right into our second takeaway. But first, let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Around New Year's, we tend to get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you've made some headway decluttering your closet, and it would be natural for you to expand on that and tackle another space now, too. Or maybe you're taking supplements in the morning, and now you want to actually start eating breakfast. This week's episode about the practice of essentialism helps lay the groundwork for identifying and building upon what's most important for you and your family, but it can be difficult to figure out exactly what that is and how to do it while focusing on your strengths instead of obsessing about your weaknesses. That's why I love therapy as a place to unpack what's on my mind and get an outside perspective on ways that I can gently shift my thinking to be more supportive to my overall well-being rather than making extreme shame-based New Year's resolutions. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I recommend giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash 3in30 today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3in30. This podcast is also sponsored by Fabric by Gerber Life. Friends, do the responsibilities of adulthood often take you by surprise? When I stop to think about it, I can't believe I have two beautiful, precious kids to care for. Their day-to-day well-being is on the forefront of my mind, but their long-term safety and success can weigh heavily on my mind as well. It's so important to protect their future, and one way to do that is through life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. It's all online and on your schedule. No appointments, scheduling, or piles of paperwork. Just apply when it's convenient for you. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash 3in30. That's meetfabric.com slash 3in30. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash 3in30. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states, prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Okay, second takeaway for how a busy mom can become an essentialist is to define your area of highest contribution. Greg sometimes calls this an essential intent. What is your essential intent for your life? What is the area where you are making the biggest contribution or where you would like to make the biggest contribution? And this focus on your area of highest contribution, I think, makes Greg's work unique because it's not just about simplifying for the sake of simplifying. It's not just about being a minimalist in your life because you should be. It's because you want to be able to make a difference in key areas that really matter to you. And I think that can give us a sense of the why when this work of becoming an essentialist becomes difficult. That's why we're saying no to things. That's why we're narrowing our focus and slowing down the pace of our life. Not just for the sake of doing it, not because some guru online told us that it's the way to be, but because we have gotten so clear on our essential intent, it lights us up and we want to have the bandwidth and the space to be able to 
contribute there, as Greg would say. He's British. And when I listen to his audiobook, I love the way that he pronounces words. And contribute sounds so much cooler than contribute. So an essential intent is a clearly stated vision for your life that becomes a lens for making decisions. Greg says it is one decision that settles a thousand later decisions. And one thing that I think is important when you're thinking about your area of highest contribution or your essential intent is that you need to make sure it comes from your heart and not from your shoulds. You don't want to say, okay, I think I should say that my area of highest contribution is as a mother or to God or these other areas that maybe I've been socialized to believe are the most important things I can be doing. And I'm not saying those aren't. But what does your heart actually tell you? What is a unique way or phrasing that would light you up that you actually want, not just because you should want it, but because you truly do? And if you're not even sure what are your shoulds and what are actually coming from your heart, I have an entire audio course on this, the Declutter Your Motherhood audio course. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it at the end to help you to declutter some of your shoulds and get really clear on what you want for your life. And that audio course is going to be for sale starting next week. So I wanted to make sure to mention that because it can sometimes be hard to sort of parse out the difference between those two things. When I reread Essentialism this month, I started thinking, okay, what's my essential intent? If I had to sum that up into a sentence, what would it be? And I don't know for sure yet, but sort of what immediately came to my mind that I just scrolled down in the margins as I was reading is to build a close, connected relationship with my husband and children. And that seems kind of generic, but I think that's at the heart of what I want most in this life. And so I can use that as a lens for some of the decisions that I make in my day-to-day life. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to do anything else that doesn't have an explicit, obvious connection back to that essential intent. Because when I first wrote that in my margin, one thing that I immediately thought of is the fact that my daughter Sally spends a lot of time at her gymnastics gym each week. And there have been times when I've wondered, is this not a valuable use of our family's time to have her away from us? She has two three-and-a-half-hour practices every week. She's a competitive gymnast. She loves it. And my initial thought was, okay, if my essential intent is to build a close, connected relationship with my husband and children, maybe she needs to quit gymnastics. But she loves gymnastics, and I don't want to force her to quit gymnastics. So I sat and I thought on that, and I realized that actually, through the lens of my essential intent, it's fine for Sally to go to gymnastics every week, If I'm using that time in a way that is building a connected relationship with my husband and children. So one thing that we've started doing recently is that on Thursdays during her three and a half hour practice is Ryan's and my dedicated date night. And we had gotten out of the habit of having date night. So this is fairly new and I've been loving it because she would be away from us anyway. So instead of waiting and going over the weekend on our date where we would be away from our kids a second long evening. We just let Noah chill at home, which is his favorite thing. And Ryan and I go and have our date while she's at gymnastics. The other Tuesday night when she's at gymnastics, I've decided since rereading Essentialism, is going to be dedicated time for Noah. Either one-on-one time with me or with his dad to do something that he loves to continue to build that close connected relationship with him. 
that we don't always get when both of our kids are home. So you can use the decisions, the activities in your life to build and point towards your essential intent. It doesn't mean that you're cutting everything else out. It just means that you are always thinking about your life honestly through the lens of your area of highest contribution and asking yourself, does this fit? How does it fit? How can I tweak it? How can I make sure that my day-to-day life and activities are really helping me to focus on what matters most to me instead of being a constant busy distraction? So that's takeaway number two, define your area of highest contribution or your essential intent. And again, if I have a chance to talk to Greg again, I'm going to ask him a little bit more about that takeaway and ask him, would you do this for each area of your life? Like, should I have an essential intent for my work and an essential intent for my home life? Or should you really try to merge those things and have one essential intent that's sort of the umbrella? And when I think about my life, And when I think about my work life, I can see how my work does fit with that, building a close connected relationship with my husband and children, because the work that I do is focused around parenting and learning how to be a more connected, emotionally resilient, emotionally mature mother. So I think in my case, they could fit together. But there are a lot of people who have work that they do that's outside of the realm of what matters most to them and a bigger perspective. And it would be interesting to be able to ask Greg how he advises people to look at their work life if they're in that situation. So fingers crossed for a second conversation with Greg, but I just wanted to introduce some of the basic concepts from his book to get you started thinking about these principles as we head into the new year. So that's takeaway number two. And then finally, takeaway number three for a busy mother who wants to become an essentialist is to ask yourself, what is important now? And for this takeaway, I want to read you a rather long passage from Greg's book because it just really touched me deeply, so I want to read this to you. He says, Recently, I taught a full day on essentialism to an executive team in New York. I had thoroughly enjoyed the day and had felt present throughout. But by the time I returned to my room, I felt a sudden pull in a million directions. Everything around me was a reminder of all the things I could be doing. Check my email, listen to messages, read a book I felt obligated to read, prepare the presentation for a few weeks from now, record interesting ideas that had grown out of the day's experiences, and more. It wasn't just the sheer number of things that felt overwhelming, it was that familiar stress of many tasks vying for top billing at the same time. As I felt the anxiety and tension rise, I stopped. I knelt down. I closed my eyes and asked, what's important now? After a moment of reflection, I realized that until I knew what was important right now, what was important right now was to figure out what was important right now. So I stood up. I tidied up. I put all of the objects strewn around me away in their proper place so they wouldn't distract me and pressure me to do their bidding every time I walked by. I turned off my phone. It was such a relief to have a barrier between me and someone's ability to text me. I opened my journal and wrote about the day. It centered me. I wrote a list in pencil of all the things on my mind. Then I clarified this by asking, what do you need to do to be able to go to sleep peacefully? What was essential, I decided, was to connect with my wife and children. Then it was to just do those few things that would make the first few hours of the next morning as effortless as possible. Schedule a wake-up call and breakfast in the room. Get my slides loaded onto the computer. Iron my shirt. I crossed off the things that were not important right then. When faced with so many tasks and obligations that you can't figure out which to tackle first, stop. Take a deep breath. Get present in the moment and ask yourself, what is most important this very second? 
not what's most important tomorrow or even an hour from now. If you're not sure, make a list of everything vying for your attention and cross off anything that is not important right now. End quote. I love that story because I relate to it, and I assume that some of you relate to it as well. As busy mothers, we are often pulled in a million different directions. We have so many different things vying for our attention at any given time. And our list of things vying for our attention is very different than the list that Greg just made with him being in a hotel room by himself doing his professional work. For many of us, it's like crying children, mess everywhere, homework, work projects that are in the back of our mind. It can just start to feel like a lot. But I love Greg's point that being an essentialist is about being able to stop in the midst of chaos, to look around to take a moment to kneel down like he did, to connect with the higher power or just your inner knowing and ask, what is important now? And sometimes what that is, is figuring out what is important now. Sometimes it's dealing with the crises right in front of you so that you can clear the space and bolster the relationships that make living out your essential intent possible. I think we've all had the experiences, moms, that sometimes calming the fussy child or giving them the focused attention that they're really craving in that moment, rather than continuing to put them off while you're trying to make dinner, like take the five minutes, sit down with them, read them a book, calm them, and it's going to clear up a lot more space for you to be able to get back to the other thing that you were trying to do, rather than continuing to survive in a state of constant chaos, everything vying for your attention. Sometimes the essential thing is figuring out what is important now and pausing everything else and doing only what is important right now. And that is so much more complicated in our ever-distractible world with the constant dings of our phones and of technology. I know something that I really want to work on this year is just having more focused time without all of the media distractions and things pulling for my attention. So I really wanted to read you that passage from Greg's book because there's likely going to be a moment this week, maybe even today, where you find yourself in that spiraling, mentally heavy space where you don't know what you should be doing at any given moment. And I love his reminder to just get quiet and to ask yourself, what is important now? So those are our three takeaways from the book Essentialism on how a busy mom can start to slow down her life and focus more on the things that matter most to her. First, accept the reality of trade-offs. It's tempting to think, I can do both, but in reality, you can do anything, but not everything. Once you grieve the fact that there will be trade-offs in life, you can move into more excitement at the idea that you get to choose a few vital things to go big on. Second, define your area of highest contribution. Come up with a sentence or two that isn't based on shoulds, but that captures the essence of what you truly want in life, and use it as a lens to make decisions. If an activity or an opportunity distracts you from your area of highest contribution, it's not worth diffusing your energy to pursue it. And you can only know that when you get clear on your essential intent for your life. And third and finally, when you're feeling overwhelmed, ask yourself, what is important now? Learn to fight the distraction of our busy world by pausing and slowing down time long enough to gain perspective on what needs your immediate attention in order for you to have space for your area of highest contribution. I want you to know that I know that these three takeaways may feel a little bit oversimplified as a busy mom. 
And next week, we're going to dive more into how to actually do this if you're stretched too thin or you're utterly burned out. Greg McEwen will be with us to talk about his second book, Effortless. And I know you're going to be so touched by how deeply he truly does understand the overwhelm faced by parents, especially mothers. So please come back and listen to that if you want an additional peek into how the work of essentialism can actually work in the busyness of daily life as parents. I also want to remind you about my audio course, Declutter Your Motherhood, where I walk you through step-by-step how to inventory your overwhelm, edit your expectations, and make room for more joy in your life. And this will be on a rare sale starting next week because I know many moms will be feeling the urge to declutter their homes and their lives as we head into a new year. And this course is a fantastic resource to teach you how to do that. Not just a hypothetical, it would be nice to, but an actual checklist of steps that you can take to gain more clarity and confidence in your day-to-day life as a mom. So stay tuned for that sale. I'm really excited about it. And of course, come back for our special episode next week with Greg McEwen. Thank you for being here with me today. Happy New Year. And I hope you have a beautiful week with your family. 